Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so grateful that you could be with me for this conversation today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. If you're like me, you may have a chronic history of overthinking, but knowing how to take your thoughts captive and how to turn them into something productive isn't always the most straightforward thing. I'm joined in this conversation by John Acuff and his daughters, Ellie and McCray Acuff. John wrote a book last year called Soundtracks, and this year he has teamed up with his daughters to release the student version called Your New Playlist. They're here to talk with us not only about how we can take our thoughts captive, but how we can help our kids to do the same thing. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with. But the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. And you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. None of us has it all together when it comes to our parenting. And so that means we're going to be doing things and learning things in front of our kids. But I think what's really beautiful about this conversation is getting to see that play out with John and his daughters, that as he has researched and worked out some of these concepts in his own life, that that has translated to the lives of his daughters as well. Here's my conversation with John, Ellie, and McRae Acuff. John, Ellie, McRae, I'm so glad to be sitting down with all of you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. John, I think you are living out every parent's dream in that the things you have taught your daughters, not only are they walking in them, but now they've co-authored a book about these things that you've been teaching them. Can you start us off by talking with us about this awareness of mindset and how this just was something that became a normal rhythm in your household? Yeah. So um, whenever I write a book, I always try to think, okay, is, is this something that people actually need? It's one of the biggest questions you ask when you write a book. And so with the topic of overthinking and mindset, um, a PhD named Mike Peasley and I did a research study and asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking. And 99.5% of people said yes. And so I wrote this book called Soundtracks. And from there, it's the first of seven books I've written that parents said right away, hey, is there a version for kids? Is there a version for teenagers? Because mm -hmm. if I could have learned how to change and control what I think as a teenager, it would have changed my entire life. And mm -hmm. I didn't have that version, but I did have two amazing teenagers that I talked to about this stuff constantly that are in my house. And so we partnered together and created, wrote a new book called Your New Playlist. 
And I was so excited that they were willing to do it with me because they are bringing a perspective I don't have. I'm 46. Um, That's like half dead to a teenager. That's very old. (laughs) Um, And I knew if I wrote it myself, it would sound like, hello, fellow youths. Like you guys like scooters more than skateboards. Like it would have been so lame. And so I was excited that they brought their own voice. They brought their own expertise and they brought their own understanding of what a modern teenager needs to be encouraged about. Yeah. Now, ladies, having a dad who is talking about these things in the household, I'm sure has shifted the way that you have experienced school and things at home, maybe in relation, for example, to your peers. How have you seen some of these things already starting to play out um, as you've navigated life so far? Okay, well, I'll go first then. I've really seen it like we always have like little sticky notes hung up, same with our saying. So having lots of different reminders about say, I'm going to be kind to myself today. I'm going to say some, some kind words, some kind soundtracks to me today. Um, that's a good reminder having that in the house. And my dad always says like, like our soundtracks, the way that you speak to yourself is important. So Mm -hmm. that's a good, that's a good reminder. And I would say one that you guys are both tired of hearing me say is everything's always working out for me. Like if I get a good parking place, I say to you guys, Hey, what just happened? And you go, everything's always working out for me. So I think you're right, Ellie. I think there's a lot of, a lot of repetition and, and Cray, you and I, I mean, I, one of the goals we talked about was, okay, running, like what are the soundtracks we're going to say to ourselves while we run? And how do you feel like Cray that's helped you with some of your, some of your goals? Um, I feel like it's really important for me for running to be like, I got this or like, this is like, I enjoy running because sometimes I get stuck on like, oh, I hate this or I can't do this. And then running feels harder and I enjoy it less. Like learning how to change my mindset into a, I love this. This is fun. I got this has increased my running and increased my joy from running. That's great. And I can see too, you know, this is one of those places where as parents, if we are stuck in our own heads and we are not having a self-talk that is productive and positive, then that makes it really difficult for us to be able to coach our kids and how to do it. And so this is one of those things that it's actually okay if we're going through this altogether, that we're learning how to do this sort of all at the same time, because it's a way that you're encouraging each other. And, you know, as you're talking about these sticky notes, I love visuals like that. I'm very visual that way, you know, that it's like all of us can walk by the hallway, you know, or wherever it's stuck up and go, oh, that's, that's a great reminder for all of us. Have, have you seen where this has also played out perhaps in relationships with your friends where this is something they come into your home and see some of these things or, you know, something that just kind of you say off the cuff that that is um, normal, maybe in your household, but your friends may kind of hear that and think, oh, what's that all about? Um, I feel like in high school, everyone, when they take a test, like, I'm not prepared for this. Like, I didn't study enough. And I'm like, oh, like, you got this. Or like, you're prepared. Mm -hmm. Like, one of our common soundtracks is like, you're prepared or you got this. And so I find it's nice to share with my friends, like, when they're feeling nervous for like a big test or project that they do got this and they're able to accomplish what they want to. And Ellie, I remember you and Jaden laughing about some, like, my behavior, like the chart I have in my office. Yes. He has a chart, a behavior chart, and it only has green stickers. He only puts green stickers on it. And we thought it was the funniest thing. It's He's like, I'm going to, when I make an effort to be kind to my family or my friends, and I do something good, I'm going to stick a green sticker up there to remind 
to remind myself. And it seems, it seems almost childish, like something like a kid, kindergartner has like a green card, a yellow card and red mm-hmm. card based on their behavior. But sometimes it's the simple things that work best. Absolutely. I love that. And that, that's a hundred percent what that is. And part of it was I had all these goals for work and none for my family. And so I think it's very easy as a parent to go, I have a thousand goals and metrics and things I'm measuring at my work life. And then I come home and kind of hope my family happens organically. Like just it comes together on its own. And so, yeah, I'm always, I think where they, they see, you know, things like this in our house is me testing things and trying things and involving them in that so that they go, Oh yeah. I remember when you, you know, we all started talking about this or we all created our, you know, what are some of our favorite moments or we are deliberate about that so that it spills over into the entire house. And that was, that particular story was funny because she had a friend sleep over and they were in the office going, what is this? And then it gave me a chance to go, Oh yeah, I know it's silly. Like it's totally sold on Amazon for like kindergarten teachers, but I want to track stuff like that. And I want to be deliberate about being kind to the three people I live with. And so I'm going to do that and see what Mm -hmm. that looks like. And I'm going to test that. And so I think that's where you see our family dynamic. And then we have our own soundtracks. Like early is on time is a soundtrack for us. Um, Another one is we don't show up hungry. So like when we're going to visit somebody, we, you know, it's a small micro soundtrack of we don't show up at 5 p.m. Go, here's dinner. Give us dinner. Like you're already letting us stay at your house, probably on a road trip. So we always eat an hour before we get there. And that's a micro soundtrack for a macro principle, which is mm-hmm. think of others, be considerate of others. And it's a micro way for us to reinforce that with our kids. Mm, that's really great. And I think one of the things that, I, that I'm just really taking from this is the fact that sometimes the best way to teach something is to learn it yourself and to have to walk it out yourself. And we don't always have the luxury of having done that like before our kids were born. <laughs> and so No, no, things... nobody's ready for kids. Nobody's no. <laughs> ready. Like you didn't get a test, you didn't pass a course. And then they said, now you're allowed to have a child. Like, no, nobody's ready. And yeah, you learn it as you go. And I think that it's fun that way. It's honest that way. Your kids don't think they have all the answers. They're perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, and you get to have, and it's, you have big conversations about it. Um, yeah. And you, yeah, you, I just think as a, as a parent or even as a reader, like you can read a book and tell the person hasn't tried it because mm-hmm. the advice they give is technically true, not practically true. Mm-hmm. So they tell you, if you want to knock out your goal, just work on it three hours a day. And you go, that, that's technically true, but what human has three hours a day? That's not practically true. Yeah. And so I, my hope with a book like this is that people go, oh, I can see where this has been tried out in a real family with real friends and real challenges and real opportunities. Yes. And I think the thing that is critical in this, firstly, though, as we're talking about soundtracks and really what they are is the fact that we have these already. We already have things Mm -hmm. that are running through our minds. And it is for us to practically understand how do I capture that? How do I understand what are those thoughts? And then what do I do with them? And sometimes though, being aware of that is not easy because these thoughts are in our own voices. So we tend to perceive that something that we're thinking may be true, that whatever this voice is telling us that there must be some validity to it. So when it comes to you know, breaking down these soundtracks, how can we separate out what's true from what's false so that we have the ability to start working at some things practically? Well, I mean, I would say 
it's a lot of times it's listening for absolutes. So if McCray says, I'll never get good at geometry, part of our job as a parent is to go, okay, that's an absolute. Like, like, or everyone got invited to the party except me, or I'm the only one who doesn't have a phone. And so I think we try to listen to those absolutes. So McCray, would you say that your mom and I, when we talked, we're, we're looking for absolutes? Yes, definitely. And it's a good habit for me to like, listen to the absolutes. I tell myself, like, I'm never going to be ready for this test or I'll never get invited to whatever. Cause those aren't all absolutes are never true. And once you figure out that, Oh, that's an absolute, you can start to discover that what you're saying is not the truth. Mm-hmm. And then from the point of identifying this thing though, now, sometimes we're not really sure how can we capture that thought? How can we take this thing that maybe it's so ingrained that I really do not see any way that I could reframe this or that I could shift this thought around. How can we look at these stories though and say, okay, there's some other way that this can be framed to now tell myself a different thing? Well, I know one of the things that Ellie does a lot is journal. So Ellie, do you want to share a little about that? Sure. Um, I always, I like to journal. I like to put my thoughts out on paper, it makes it really easy to like visually see it. And it makes a lot more sense when it's on paper. And then a cool thing about that is that if you write down maybe a bad soundtrack that you're struggling with in a few weeks or a few months, you can look back at it and be like, wow, I can't believe I used to think this. I've come, I have a long way to go, but I've still made a lot of progress. That's something that I really enjoy. I think that's really tangible too. I always grew up journaling and it's, I I love the idea what you just mentioned about looking backwards. And I think Mm -hmm. this is something either, you know, we could encourage our kids to do or do ourselves. And it, it does show the pattern of growth though. It does show that maybe in challenging even one thought that having some success with that, that it's possible to say, okay, well, what else is there for me to start to peel back the layers on and to just... Um, have a, a documentation to this, but also something that's processing, you know? So it's a little bit of both. It's like, I, I'm, I'm giving, I'm having to step through this, but I also have evidence of the fact that I have changed something. And I think that's one of the things when it comes to our thoughts is a lot of times we don't have evidence for them, right? So they're things that we are just believing, but we don't necessarily have any proof that these things are the way that they are. But that in the journaling process, we have the ability to look at those thoughts, even if it's just starting out on paper, just to look at, okay, what is it that I'm believing? And to start to search for proof. Now, there's something that you all mentioned in the book that I thought was really critical. And it was talking about the expectations that we have when it comes to rewiring our thoughts. And the fact that sometimes we have this sense that okay, my job is to control this thought and to just switch it off. That that is my whole goal in all of this. And sometimes I think in approaching it that way, we find ourselves even more frustrated. It seems like the thought becomes even bigger and louder and more out of control. Can you speak to the difference between turning our thoughts off and turning them down? Yeah, I think, Cray, you could crush that question because we've talked about the dial and the switch a million times. I would say like the difference between turning it off and turning it down is you can't always turn off like whatever you're thinking. Like I'm going to fail this. I could think I'm going to fail this geometry test, which I struggled with geometry, but 
going back, I can be like, no, wait, like I studied for this. I've been going to the math tutor. I've put in the hours. Like I've worked really hard for this. And so coming to the test, I know I've tried, I'm going to try my very best, but saying what's true, not saying I'm going to fail this test or being like, I studied 30 minutes every night. I've worked hard with the math tutor. It helps to turn it down, but you can't turn that thought necessarily off. And then I think the second part with turning the dial down, there's things you and I do together or you do on your own to turn mm-hmm. the dial down. Like mm-hmm. what are some of the things that if if you would say, wow, the dial's really high today that you do in response to that? Um, I'd be, I'm, whenever that happens, I'm very like thoughtful, thoughtful about what I'm saying to myself. I'm very kind in my thoughts. I like, I like clean my room. I like spend some time outside, go for a run, do things that like relax me. And for me, it's a good time for me to step away from my phone. Cause often when I feel like my dial's really high, I'll spend lots of time on like Instagram or something like mm. increasing my dial, but it's good to know that like I can do certain things to help calm myself down. I love that you said that, that social media cranks it up. I even struggle with that myself, you know, and just recognizing that when you feel that, like that intensity, that anxiety, it's like the first thing you want to do is like jump on Instagram (laughs) and just be like, who's out there? Is anybody out there? And I think that's fantastic that you're aware of that and that you're looking at these things to turn that dial down. But I think, you know, just, just even that picture of, I'm not trying to switch it off, that if I try to switch it off, I'm going to be more frustrated, but that if I'm learning learning how to, and what I'm hearing you say is nurture myself, to be kind to myself, Mm -hmm. those types of things. And I can find the ways that thought might still be running, but over time that it can stop being so loud to the point where it can get so quiet that it may even seem like, Hey, it's off. (laughs) So it may sneak back on us from time to time. But something I keep hearing you say though, all of you though, is, you know, in terms of the soundtrack of I've got this or I'm ready and prepared. Do you have preparedness or readiness type routines that you are engaging in so that you do know, like, I'm not just pumping myself up without actually having done the prep work on the front side? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the book talks about how great thoughts turn into great actions, great actions turn into great results. So we very much are about here's reality. So we'll never, you know, if if somebody hasn't prepared, if I haven't prepared for something, I won't say, well, I'm amazing. This is, that doesn't, your brain knows that's not true. So that's why when McCray listed the things she did, she said, I've got this. I've gone to the tutor. I've stayed after class. I've asked the questions. I've emailed the teacher. I've, you know, like she's listing evidence, not just positive motivation, Mm -hmm. like words without work are useless. Like you have to have it tied together so that, you know, you don't create this cognitive dissonance of saying, I'm amazing. You haven't worked at all. Your brain in that moment goes, both of those things can't be true. Mm. And so, yeah, we're, we're never just saying, okay, you've got this. You're amazing. You're, you're the best ever. That (laughs) doesn't, that's not helpful. That's us (laughs) lying to our kids. Like that's, Mm. and it also doesn't set them up for the rest of their life where there's going to be things they have to work at. And what's interesting to me is that the turndown techniques, like we call them with the dial versus switch, everybody, they're different for everybody. So there's going to be listeners today that are like, oh, I hate running. But for McCray, that's a turndown technique. And Mm -hmm. I would say one of Ellie's um, like piano for you, like talk, Mm -hmm. talk through what that's like for you. Um, I really enjoy playing the piano. It's always, I have a keyboard that has headphones connected to it. So no one even can hear me play my piano. And so I'll just go sit and work through whatever song I'm working on. And it like actually turns my brain off. I can't think about anything else besides what I'm actually doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice thing. And I enjoy it. So 
that's a good way for me to go. Maybe relax after a day of school or just work on something that's concrete. Yeah. And those are those times too, that I think sometimes we feel like I need to solve this problem right now. (laughs) It's like, no, you probably just need to turn some things down first. Maybe even go enjoy yourself. Knitting is the same. Mm -hmm. She, Ellie will knit. So that's, what's fun to me is that I think every teenager, when they stop for a second and think about them, they, they can, usually identify like, oh, Mm. these are four or five activities that turn the dial down. These are five activities that ratchet it up or individuals. Like we all have friends that you'd say, when I'm around this person or I do this activity, um, it doesn't, it doesn't turn it down. It turns it up. And so that's, what's interesting Mm. is it's personal, um, but they're fun things too. Like, and they're different. Ellie hates running. Like she would hate that. McCray doesn't know how to play the piano. Like it's, they're all very, you know, every, every student's different. Yeah. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. Something you pointed to in the middle of this, though, too, is cognitive dissonance. And I want to go back to that because I think that that is, as you said, you know, we can't just pump ourselves up. We're not just going to tell ourselves these affirmations over and over and over again, and someday we're going to believe them. But there can also be a struggle when we are trying to create some new thoughts, that when we are trying Mm -hmm. to replace these thoughts, that maybe I don't buy it. You know, like, okay, yes, I have done the prep work, but I'm still anxious. I still feel like besides all the prep stuff that I I cannot get in the zone of believing that I'm prepared. So when it comes to resolving that dissonance and moving into a space of, of being able to create a new soundtrack, how have you all been able to resolve some of that struggle? I think that goes back to the question, is it helpful? So, you know, we, we had that you know, a couple of weeks ago where we were, we had a big math test coming up and we, and a lot of negative feelings were getting in the way of studying for the math. And so we said less feelings, more math. Like that was our soundtrack. Like not that feelings are bad. Feelings are amazing and you can explore them and live in them and all that. But in the moment we were at, which was final prep for the math test, the feelings were not serving us. They were not mm-hmm. contributing to the geometry. Like yeah. the feeling of fear was not like, I'll help with this, with this theorem. Like that was not helpful. So we could very easily in that moment go, okay, like, is it helpful? It's not. So I might have to um, say no to that a hundred times in a stressful mm. moment, mm. but I'm going to say no 101 times. Like I'm going to keep doing that until, mm-hmm. um, and the, the thing that I learned from Tom, Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son, um, cause I asked him about this. I was like, is this just fake it till you make it? And he was like, no, that's, that doesn't, that never works. You never say I'm in the best shape of my life. If you're not, cause there's the cognitive, cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. He said, instead, what you say is I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way you talk mm-hmm. about the progress. So if you were a kid mm-hmm. that is not amazing at a subject or doesn't have, you know, a friend, you go, okay, I'm, I'm learning to be better friends every day, or I'm learning to be better at this subject every day. That's the truth. And it, again, you might have to tell yourself that a long time and it's not yeah. the, the, the thought is 
I'm, I'm so slow at this. Why is this not taking, you know, I want this faster. Every human wants faster results. And so you also have to give yourself some grace that you're going to want the results faster than they come. Everybody I've ever worked with, I know the length of how long it takes for their goal to happen. It's always longer than you want. I haven't met mm-hmm. a single person that said, yeah, I built that business in like an hour. It happened so fast. I didn't think like, or that marriage or whatever, yeah. it always takes longer than you want. So I think that's what, but that question, is it helpful? has been helpful in our family. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is one of the the spaces where process is not so much celebrated and it's painful. <laughs> and yeah. so it's so much easier for us to either just sit in the place of, well, this is what it is and, and I can't do anything more or no, I want to be over here already. And I can you know affirm that I'm here already. But the truth is, as you just said, John, so well, it's, we are in the middle and we are in process and we're getting better and better and better and better. Well, Ellie, that was you and the ACT. Like, Mm -hmm. so she didn't tell herself, I got an amazing ACT score before she got the ACT score. She, how many practice tests did you do? I did five practice tests and each one is about four hours. So, Mm. yeah. So that, I mean, so when she walks into the ACT, then she's not going, I fully believe like she's had a process. She's been processing it. She's been processing it. She's also one of the things we talk about in our family is taking care of your future self. Mm -hmm. Like you're hooking up your future self. So when she four months before started the practice tests with nobody watching her alone, whatever, nobody's making her do that. She's hooking up her future self. Like Mm -hmm. she's hooking up future Ellie. So that future Ellie walks in that room and is like, let's go, let's go. Like, because past Ellie put in the work and put in the process. And so we are always talking about, okay, how do you make things even easier on future self? Like Mm -hmm. Cray has cross country this fall. What, like, we're going to run a bunch in July together. Like why? Because we're totally hooking up the Mm. the fall version of Cray. Like McCray is going to walk into cross country in a different way because of the work we put in in July. And we're, those are the kind of conversations we're trying to have as a family. I love that because I think sometimes when it comes to those readiness steps, the the motivation to like, why do I need to do this now? Or this seems too hard, or I'm never going to get there. Like we know it's this one bite-sized chunk and we know that it will help us get to this, you know, goal at the end of it, but how this bite-sized chunk then becomes the next chunk and the next chunk and the next chunk, it seems really overwhelming, but to be honoring your process and to be honoring your future self, I think is just such a, a beautiful way to put this, that this is, this is a gift. This is a, a cultivation. This is, mm-hmm. this is just taking what you have and what you've been given and just taking that next step at it. And the, I think so much of these things, you know, as with mindset, it is just a mental game and it is figuring out for yourself what works. And as you said earlier, what works for one is not necessarily going to work for the other, but that in practice, and sometimes in becoming frustrated with the way that you're doing it and trying something new, you may find the thing, you may find the sticker chart, you may find whatever that, um, that, that symbol or meaningful, um, anchor point is. And when it comes to symbols, actually, I wanted to ask you about that. You guys talk about in the book, you know, when it comes to sticking with this, though, it can be, as we said, it can be overwhelming. You're coaching yourself constantly. You're dealing with these thoughts and you're trying to put in new thoughts. And so sometimes this process can just be kind of difficult. But you talk about symbols as ways to help you to stick with these things. Can you share more about symbols and maybe some of your own personal ones? Yeah, Craig, why don't you go first? What are some of your symbols? 
Um, I've started to notice like once you look for symbols, you can find them everywhere. So I've had this hourglass that sat on my bedside table for probably like six years and it's just always been sitting there. But I've started to like symbolize that like every day is a fresh start. Like, so whenever I like flip the, like looking at the hourglass, I think that every day, like I've saved, like had a bad day, like I feel like super overwhelmed, but tomorrow I'm going to have that opportunity to flip the glass and start my day fresh. And another symbol for me, I would say it's very simple, but like, an AirPod case. Cause like I carry them with me everywhere and I control what kind of music I listen to, which is also true. Cause I'm the one in control of my thoughts. So whenever I see my AirPod case, I'm like, Oh, I get to choose the music. But I also got to choose how I am to myself. That is beautiful. How about you, Ellie? Um, a big one for me that I think is in the book is my photo wall. I have a, a fourth of my bedroom is completely covered in a photo collage. And something for me, I love printing out new photos of new adventures, new, like hanging out with friends and family. And I love fitting it into like a puzzle piece on the wall. And so sometimes in the morning I'll wake up and I'll look, have to put my glasses on, but then I'll look and see, I'll be like, oh, that was that time I went kayaking with so-and-so. That was so fun. Such a great day. And I get to see all the community I've built through high school and all the fun times I've had with all my friends. So that's a good way to wake up in the morning. I love that. I think that's sort of like even a visual journal, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, here is, here's life as it has played out. What a great way to say it. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I, I love the, the depiction of the hourglass that is also, that's just hitting me personally. I have a plaque over my sink that my realtor gave us when we uh, purchase the house that I'm in now. And it is a Bible verse. It talks about God's mercies being new every morning. And so there are some mornings that I just mm-hmm. wake up and I'm like, Lord, I need mercy. Like I need yeah. mercy today. I need to start yeah. fresh today. Like I can't do out in the future. I'm on today. And I think, I think sometimes um, a symbol that is an action step, like something we physically do is something that just can really trigger um, an awareness in our minds. And so I love that idea. I think I'm going to go get an hourglass. <laughs> I love that idea of just flipping this every day. Like this is a new start today. I get to to do this over, um, or maybe not necessarily over, but a fresh, you know, that this is fresh, the next, yeah. the next day, the next step. It's really beautiful. When it's kinesthetic, it's the, the physical part of it's kinesthetic. So it triggers a different part of learning. And so it locks it in on another level. It's not just, yeah. I think it's didactic is the opposite of kinesthetic. Um, but it is that physical thing actually has, has a value. I think that's such a, a great way to, to pull this sometimes of what feels like out of the clouds or it's in my head constantly and just mm-hmm. pull it down into something that is tactical and every day. So whether it is journaling, whether it is having the photos or this thing that I'm flipping or thing, something I used to, when I was a lot younger, I had like a coin that I used to carry with me and it had a, a remembrance to it. You know, it's just these tangible, tactical things that we can have with us that just are these great reminders because we do forget and we can sink back into those old soundtracks and those old ways of doing things, but that we can find that encouragement just in these small everyday things. What I really like about soundtracks is that I've found like through the process of like writing this book is that I've learned that like soundtracks, it's, it, it's something you have to do every day. Like Mm. every day it's like a new start. So like, and so like working, thinking of your soundtracks, it's like every day you have to think like, okay, like I got this, I'm, confident in whatever, but it's something you have to do every day. And it's like, it seems like a small thing, but once you start into the habit of doing it every single day, you see it like a large result. Yeah. So beautifully said. I love that. When it comes to the end of our conversation, I ask every guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing 
that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I would I would say thank you. Um, I know so many single parents that are just rock stars at what they do, and it's super super challenging, and it's super super hard. So I'd say thank you, and then I would say just keep extending yourself grace because um, mm. I think one thing I've found with single parents sometimes is they'll say, John, I'm not working on my goal enough. And I'll say, well, what, you know, tell me about your life. And they'll say, I have a four-year-old, 11-year-old, a 13-year-old. And I'll go, that's a huge goal. Like, that's a really, like, that's a, like, you're raising humans. Like, you're in charge of humans. And so sometimes I would just say, give yourself more credit. Give yourself mm-hmm. more credit. Give yourself more grace. Um, because it's a super challenging job. Um, and the ones that do it well are rock stars. Um, and so I'd say, thank you for showing us all that. Um, But also give yourself lots of credit because I think you need lots of credit, lots of grace when you're doing it solo. Hmm. I'm taking that all in right now. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Would you all tell us about the new book and how the listeners can follow along with you? Yeah. So it's available. um, You can go to acuff.me slash playlist to read the first two chapters for free, Um, but it'll be available everywhere. We're recording the audiobook ourselves. So it'll be the three of us. Um, It'll be a super fun audiobook. But yeah, acuff.me slash playlist is where to find out all the info. Great, great. And I will have links in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to find it. But thank you so much, all three of you. It was just so fun sitting down with you today. Thank you, Michelle. Thank Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, I've got a couple of others that you might like as well. Check out episode 114, Grieving and Letting Go, The Role of Acknowledging Pain in Embracing Your Future with Dr. John Deloney. Also check out episode 101, Story Work, Finding Freedom from the Pain of Your Past with Carrie Garcia. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.